Welcome to this month's Dental Sound Bites podcast. This is Dr. Bill Griffin, your Vice President for Dental Ministries with the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. And with today's guest, we will be moving in a distinctly countercultural direction. With more and more dentists selling their practices to dental management organizations, one might naturally wonder, does it still make sense to own your own practice? I'm elated to have as today's guest, Dr. Greg Gilbaugh, who has much to say regarding the benefits of owning your own dental practice. Dr. Greg Gilbaugh is a dental entrepreneur who has founded two large multi-doctor, multi-specialty dental clinics and has served on a pastoral team for over 20 years. As a speaker, writer, and executive coach, Dr. Greg integrates sound biblical theology with business and leadership wisdom to allow others to have a significant impact on themselves, their businesses, homes, churches, and communities. Dr. Greg and his wife, Laura, live in Coralville, Iowa, where they have raised, nurtured, and loved their nine children. Join me in getting to know Greg and tapping into his wisdom. Greg, I'm glad to have you join me on today's episode of Dental Soundbites. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Griff. I've been looking forward to this. Well, great. Now, as I've had the opportunity to get to know you, it's clear that you're a pretty talented guy. And of all the possible careers you could have chosen, you ended up in dentistry. How did that happen? When I was in grade school, pretty average kid, uh, grade-wise, like most boys, academics really never appealed to me. Fourth grade, did a went through a little science section on anatomy and things just clicked. It's like the body just makes sense. And it was at that time that I think a real delight in studying science, physiology, biology, all those things really started to take hold as I went through it. And so my mom, uh, she had worked in medical offices. And so I hear her stories about what physicians do. And I really wanted to move in towards something dealing with the body and people. And I, I chose just to, to, to go into dentistry. And, and again, I had those decisions kind of all mapped out, uh, went to the University of Iowa because that's where I thought would be the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then two weeks before I graduated high school, that's when I got saved. And so going through then the next year is like, Lord, what do you really want me to do? Were I making plans all on my own? And it was just confirmed over you know a couple of years, you're right where I want you to be, Greg. This is what I made you for. And so that's where I find my, my, my fit in this type of career. Well, it can be a great career for many reasons. I don't have to tell you or our listeners that. And uh, I'm glad the Lord called you into dentistry. Now, well, I am too. Greg, share with our listeners your dental path after graduation. Well, when I graduated dental school, I, got, I took my boards and then got married three days later. And we had decided at that point in time, well, I was, I was uh, invited to be part of a Uh, an advanced general dentistry residency that they were just beginning at Iowa. So Mm -hmm. um, I was doing that and I had two options before me. One was to go down to uh, Dallas, Texas. I was going to, was invited to at least apply for a position uh, on the Baylor dental school faculty Mm -hmm. where I would teach my niche would be to teach ethics. 
And then across the street from uh, the dental school was Dallas Theological Seminary. And I was going to also then start working on a master's of theology there. Mm -hmm. The other option was there was a small dental practice in the Iowa City area. And we chose to stay here, purchase the practice, plant our flag, and then just be part of the local church that I was that I was here. And so I'm so glad that I did. Uh, I'm still here after all those all these years. Well, great. Now, you and I met for the first time at the ADA's annual meeting in Las Vegas in 2021. I remember our first conversation and the conviction we shared that the Bible, a 2,000-year-old book, provides a wealth of solid, practical information for the practice of dentistry, among other things. At what point in your career did you first seek to apply the truth of God's Word to the running of a dental practice? Uh, day one. <laughs> Absolutely day one. And it stems, um, this might sound a little bit odd, but it stems from when I was uh, first in undergrad, having a having an, an older gentleman come up and just say, hey, because I was a new Christian. He said, would you like to see what the Bible has to say about playing football? And I'm going, really? <laughs> I don't know much about it, but I don't think it's there. But what he did is he discipled me and mentored me in this is how God made you. This is what he's called you to do. And so whatever you do, whether word or deed, whatever you eat or drink or practice, you do it all for the glory of God. And so that was an early significant milestone for me. And so going into practice, it's like, all right, Lord, what do you want this to look like? And I had, uh, let's say, good news, bad news. In that bad news, we never got any instruction as to how to run a dental business. You know, how to uh, nothing in school. Okay, so the good that was the bad news. The good news then was had a blank slate where I didn't have any, let's say, wrong, incorrect views on running a dental practice, and so started then looking in the scriptures, bought a six cassette tape that dates me by uh, Larry Burkett, who is a mentor really of Dave Ramsey, who most people are probably familiar with him, but you know, about handling finances. You know, when you look at the scripture, the, the wisest man who ever lived is Solomon. He's the wealthiest man who's ever been around. And he wrote so much just in Proverbs about wealth, work, and those sorts of things. Uh, when I've done men's ministry and I do sections on business, I'll encourage guys go, look, read through Proverbs and do this. Take a highlighter and every verse that you see that deals about money, wealth, work, fair wages, ethics, those kind of things, just highlight it. And when you're done, look at all the color that's in that book. I think many times as dentists, we're very visual. And just look at that and flip through 31 chapters and go, this is just one book. And there's just so much practical information there. You know, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that uh, struck me uh, that I remind people when I talk about it is that, you know, in the Bible, you'll find about 500 verses specifically about prayer a little less than 500 verses on faith, and you'll find about 2,350 verses dealing with money. Wow. And so, and again, it's like, is it because money's more important than faith or prayer? No, it's just that money is a great revealer and a great tool. And so how to use it 
it reveals our hearts. And like, there's so much that can be done with these tools. And so God gives us a lot of instruction on how to use this very, very valuable common tool. Well put. And one of the strongest confirmations that the Bible really is God's word to me is that it's every bit as applicable now as when it was written. How many other 2,000-year-old books do we still look to to guide us, not just in dentistry, but as it says in, in the Word, it says it's adequate for every good work. And there's no way a compilation of individuals could have come up with that kind of profound wisdom. I totally agree with you. And I think, Griff, one of the things that I have found uh, in being part of a pastoral staff for 20 years now dealing specifically with either teaching the Bible or teaching it to men, is that when we look in Genesis, the three institutions that God formed there and created before sin came in the world was, of course, many of us, marriage, yes, Mm -hmm. the declaration uh, to be fruitful and multiply, which family, children, but also work. But the thing is, is that according to the great theologian Meatloaf, as he's saying, two out of three ain't bad because <laughs> work tends to get the, you know, it's the, it's the ugly stepsister. It doesn't get its due from the pulpit. Um, it's usually viewed as something negative. It doesn't get addressed. And as a result, I think a lot of people that are in work or in business, they go, what does the Bible have to say about work? Not a whole lot because it hasn't been fully addressed And it's like, since I haven't heard, then I don't know. Yep, I think you really hit the nail on the head. There are so many blessings that come when we seek to honor God with our work. And yet, to a great extent, our society sees work as something to be avoided, to be minimized, rather than to be celebrated as using God's gifts for His glory. Exactly. One of the things when when I've done men's groups, and uh, one of the things we do, we have about an eight-week section on, on work business and those sorts of things. And I, I, I encourage you guys, first of all, go through Proverbs, highlight it. But then every time you hear a sermon, okay, think to yourself, how does this apply to me in my workplace? Just, just the application. And I said, your mind is going to open up to all sorts of new things. It's not new truth. We're not creating new truth. You know, it's the same truth that's always been there, but it's the application of biblical truth to what God has has put before me to do for seven, eight, nine hours a day. And, you know, again, I talk with these guys and they'll just say, you know, my mind, God is opening up insights for the, I, I never applied this scripture to my workplace. I've applied it to me at home, in my marriage, in my community, in my church, but not to my workplace. And so all of a sudden, boom, it's like a whole new dimension of living has opened up for spiritual application. And that's why I really believe that when people understand, when they connect their faith with their workplace, when dentists connect their faith with their practice, what God has created and enabled and trained them to do, their faith can actually get deeper and more robust and more ro- more dynamic. Great points. Now, I know, Greg, that you've not been content with just seeking to instill the wisdom of scriptures in your own practice, even though that in itself can be all-encompassing, but you've also founded the Kalos Business Group. Tell us about that. Again, being so many years involved with men in the church ministry and discipleship, and I really sense that this whole as- aspect of what is what is the Bible have to say about work 
is really deficient and it's not getting its due. And I really sense that God said, look, in this last season of your life, Greg, this is what I'm preparing you for. And this is what I want you to do. And so through some circumstances, the Kalos Business Group was launched and its intention is to really help people in business, in dentistry, connect your faith with your business so that you can have a deeper faith and a better business and a greater leadership impact. And so either through writing a book, doing speaking, coaching, those sorts of things help to really connect and integrate those two things so that the thing that we are most, that we say is the most important aspect of our life, which is our faith. How do we deeply integrate that and connect it with that area of life where we spend most of our waking hours, which is the work? And when those two meet, it's an outstanding thing. As I, as I say, it's, it's not an original quote. I believe I first heard it from Howard Hendricks, the great theologian from Dallas Theological Seminary. He said, you know, a calling is what we're made for. A career is what we're paid for. Now, I like to add, and when the two become one flesh, you're in a beautiful thing. <laughs> and so when, when what you're called to do is what you're actually paid for, there's a great passion and a zeal and a steadfastness, strength, courage, um, satisfaction. Those sorts of attributes start to get manifest in, in one's life. And I think a lot of that is recognizing that whatever abilities God has given us and however he has directed us into our career of dentistry is indeed a calling from him. And if we recognize that it wasn't just us deciding what we wanted to do every step of the way, but it was his leading in a very personal sense, that that creates far more meaning to what we do every day, seeing us as continuing to exercise that calling and figuring out what does God have for me today. And, and it takes, in a sense, it takes the pressure off because it's it, it's not an all, all on our shoulders. We're called to be diligent, but even more so to listen to his direction each, each step of the way. Yeah. I, th I think many of us that are dentists, especially those of us who do have a relationship with Christ, do understand that we were designed a certain way for, uh, you know, intention. It's like, you know, why do, you know, to me, it's like, you know, blood, spit, and pus, I think that that is just cool, okay? Um, <laughs> other people go, you know, I, we, we serve, you know, so we're, we're in a healthcare community, we have nurses go, how could you do that? And I said, you know what, you as nurses, you guys do some stuff that's like, you know, uh, bowel impaction, sorry, I'll take blood <laughs> and spit anytime. It's like, it's, it, it got, or building something, you know, it's like something's broken, and you get to fix it. It's like, this just, it just delights delights me. And other dentists go, oh, yeah. It's like when you finish, you know, when you finish, you know, a prosthetic case, when you've taken out that difficult tooth, it's like, mm -hmm. this is just, they go, this is just so cool. This is how I was made. I love doing this. My hands can do this. I think that way. And with my kids, when they were younger, they're getting in high school or whatever. It's like, we try to change the, the, some of the vernacular, so to speak, is like, not so much, hey, hey, what do you want to do? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? We, we change it. It's like, how do you think God's made you? And what do you think he's calling you to do? Now, when they're, you know, 15, so I don't know. It's like, yeah, maybe you don't. But it's like, how are you made? It's like, well, you know, um, I've got one who's, 
just leave me alone with a computer because I want to design things, you know, and I've got another one, you know, he's, he's come back to law school and uh, with his family. And it's like, he is so designed for these things Mm -hmm. and you can, you can just see it. And, you know, when you just say, this is how God made me. And then I feel like, you know, the desires, he's putting desires in my heart. This is what I want to do. I can't think of doing much of anything else. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to do open heart surgery. I don't want to do physical therapy, even though it's like some of that aspects. Of it. It's like, oh man, I want to, I want a hand piece and I want to take care of someone and I want to comfort them. And I want to take good care. I love to do lower blocks where they go. I didn't feel a thing. Mm-hmm. How'd you do that? I just loved it. You know, because I care about you. Just those kind of things. Calling is such a deep, satisfying, passionate path for us as people of faith to walk on. And that's the advantage that we as Christians have in the workplace that we're, you know, it's like, I'm fulfilling something greatly sacred, greatly personal, greatly impactful. And this is how God made me. And this is how I fit in the puzzle. Yes. I'm a unique piece and I fit. It's beautiful when God confirms the work of your hands, as Moses mentioned in Psalm 90. Yes, absolutely. Now, Great point, Griff. Now, I know that when you and I began practicing over 30 years ago, it was, it was pretty typical for a dentist to own their own practice, either, either right away, right out of dental school, or perhaps soon thereafter. But now there are far fewer dentists who are their own bosses. What do you think has driven this radical change in our profession? Probably, I think the primary one is cost. You know, you come out of school. I'll give you an example. The guy that I bought the practice from when I first got out of school, he told me, he goes, Greg, I came out of dental school with no debt. You know, I was able to pay for it, summer job. I came out with some debt. Dentists now, they're coming out of school with, you know, six digits, Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt then to get into practice is incredibly expensive. Like I said, I have my oldest son. He was a business major, went out in the business world, has two kids. He's married. He's come back. He's going to law school. Uh, Being a business guy, he does the Excel spreadsheet. He loves that. Everything's in its order. And he goes, dad, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm thinking about it. I'll probably, it's going to probably be about $120,000 of debt when I get out, you know, for all this, all the expenses of law school. And I'm thinking, Son, two years ago, we just bought a piece of equipment, uh, the digital pan, Seth, cone beam, and that's more than your $120,000. And this is just one piece of equipment. Hmm. You know, we bought two CAD cam, CEREC, you know, things for the doctors. And it's like, uh, you know, that we're at, you know, $170,000. And we haven't even outfitted an operator yet. <laughs> um, to come out of dental school, the equipment is everything is so expensive. It's really kind of cost prohibitive to go to a lending institution and say, I'm already $200,000 in debt and I need a couple million dollars more. And the only thing that I own is a 10 year old used vehicle. That's it. You're not going to get so much. Mm-hmm. That's really cost prohibitive. You know, where are our graduates getting any kind of leadership, business, uh, wisdom, uh, dental school? They don't have time. They're trying to make sure that we understand. Are we in our seventh generation of bonding agent now? I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you know, so many things to learn. You're going to school full time, even through the summer, through most of it. And where are you getting your your instruction? As we said before, the, the church isn't necessarily 
doing it. So a lot of them are like, I need to go and I need to be an employee. I need to work for someone uh, so I don't have those overhead expenses. So that's their first taste. And I, I, I think that that's a wise move. But some do not like, let's say there's, there is a risk. There's a risk and there are some unique struggles to being uh, a business owner. And some of them are, uh, some, I, I think uh, the younger generation do, do not have the zeal for that kind of an adventure. Well, in, in addition to those that are early in dentistry that are hesitant to jump into all the financial risk, there are also a number who've been practicing for many years who have made it as practice owners and yet still choose to then sell their practices to uh, some sort of dental maintenance organization. Why do you think that's happening? Well, I think, again, uh, there's, it's hard to run a practice. And I think some, some dentists, I've got a couple of them here that work, work with me. It's like, um, would you ever like to, you know, be part of owning, you know, part of our clinic situation? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no. And it's like, why not? I just, I just, people, I want to treat people. I want to take care of people, pay me well. And that's where I want to be because those are not the kind of things that they're wired to to do as far as like the business. So I understand that it's hard. It's hard to be, if you're, if you're a dentist, it's like, look, I'm in the operatory producing and doing the things that I really love, but in order for this business operation to run, I've got to also give that some attention. I haven't had a lot of training in it. Mm -hmm. It's a headache and maybe they're not wired for it. And and that's okay. You know, I love all sorts of aspects of business, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be very bluntly honest with you. I can run, I can run multiple clinics. I still can't balance my checkbook. I just don't like doing it. Um, so it's just not, you know, I, I, I hire an accountant. How are we doing, John? You're doing fine. Good. All right. Keep going. Um, so that's it. And I think, I really think if someone would come alongside some of these dentists uh, for either um, some, you know, coaching, training, something like that, just say, look, you don't have to do all this. We can have someone to come in and help you with this, train some of your staff or whatever, so that you can do this because there are some great advantages when you just say, I'm the owner, I'm responsible for the direction of this entity, institution, clinic, whatever, practice, whatever it is. There's some great advantages to it. And if you really want to, we can help get you there. Well, let's jump into that now. Yeah. Uh, you've mentioned some reasons why someone might legitimately decide not to own a practice either early in their career or perhaps even later on. But what do you see as some of the main advantages for dentists when they retain ownership of their practice? The first thing is that when I, when I talk to dentists and I remind you know the, the, the staff in both of our clinics here, is that when it comes to dentistry, Look, all of us as dentists, we're pretty, we're, we should be pretty sharp, okay? We got through dental school, okay? So all of us have a certain level of smarts, okay? We graduate, we all have a certain level of skills. We can do it. Uh, we, can, we all have access to Con Ed. We have access to equipment, facilities, you know, all those kind of things. So what differentiates one office from the other? And it's the people. It's absolutely the people. Okay. And that the people make up the culture. And that's one of the things is like, look, you get the opportunity. And again, for people of faith, it's like, look, Christ has set us free. 
from the bondage of sin and the penalty of our sin to do what? We're set free to do what? Not anything that we want, but we can do anything that we should. Hmm. So it's like, as it's like, Lord, where, where do you want this thing to go? And now you have the freedom and the opportunity to build and develop something, man. And that, that scratches an itch deep in some people, you know, you get to hire the people that fit your culture. You know, you just say, this is what we're about. This is where we're going. And you get to find people that start to come in and you get to start building something and you're going somewhere. And I mean, that's, to me, that's, I love that. I just love it. And again, with ownership, you come, you become responsible for managing, growing is the better term, growing the people, opportunities, and the resources. You can do whatever, whatever you're, you're strong in. Here at the clinic, we've got, um, we got a number of general dentists. They wanted uh, combing because they, they want to be able to place and start doing implants mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. Let's get it. Let's do it. We expanded because this is what we felt was right. We get to create jobs. We get to, you know, we are going to bring in orthodontists into our general practice because that's what we feel is going to be best. And so a lot of people said that ain't going to work, but it does. And it works well because this is what we feel got. We can direct it in the way that we think is wise and you get to grow and develop something. And, you know, there's, there's other things where, um, you know, for me, you know, I became uh, disabled with my hands about three years ago, but I'm still here. I've, I've, the, the clinics were built to the point where it's like, I can now do full-time leadership development. I can start the Kalos business group earlier than I thought. If I was an employee, it's like collect a, a little bit of disability and go get another job. It's like, man, I get to. I got, I got a promotion because I was the owner of the clinic. I get to stay and I get to, I, I get to continue to grow uh, and it helps the clinics. Uh, there's a lot of freedom to do that, uh, which I, I like as general dentists, like, you know, what do you like to do? What don't you like to do? Build that. This is what I like to do. Build that. If you don't, it's like, I really don't like coming to work. I, you know, I don't like the, you know, some of the, well, what would you, what do you want to do? Well, I'd really like it to look like this, feel like this, uh, smell like this, grow like this. Well, then build that. Hmm. Build that. I've noticed two advantages over the years when I was practicing and owning my own practice. First of all, that as you seek to establish what might be called a Christian culture in the office, not meaning that every person necessarily is walking with Jesus, but an office that is directed by solid biblical principles, that it's an environment where even those who don't yet see their personal need for Christ are going to appreciate because the inevitable conflict that occurs is going to be dealt with like it should be. And I can just think of employees that I worked with for many years who were grateful for that environment. So you do have that opportunity to influence them through that Christian culture. And secondly, that there were employees that heard about our practice and what we were seeking to do that actually came to us wanting to work for us. And so the Lord can really bless your desire to, to honor him with your practice. Absolutely. You know, work and home are probably two of the most revealing places where we live. 
church is probably one of the most artificial places <laughs> that we go to. Because <laughs> if you would ask, you know, like, uh, let's say people that know me at church, it's like, is Greg generous? Is he kind? Is he even tempered? You know, those sorts of things. And there was, oh, a guy always seems like that. Now, I ask the people that I work with, is Greg generous? Hmm. Is he kind? Because one of the great facts of life that we get from dentistry is, you know, if you want to find out what's inside a tube, you squeeze it. And it's the same is true with people. If you want to see what's inside someone, see what they, how they respond when they get squeezed. We get squeezed at work and people get to see, is this faith thing? Is it real or is it not? Yes. I give people the, 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 all the staff, it's like, you want to pray with your patient? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I love praying with my patients. You know, all the years, you know, you come in, it's like, Hey Tom, like, how's it going? Or Hey Griff. Tell me what's going on. I said, well, Greg, you know, going through this struggle, you know, um, found, you know, there's, you know, the spot on the lung, you know, and, I, you know, we're going through treatment or something. So, you know, uh, can I pray for you? I've only had one person say no. I said, okay. And then when I left the exam room, it's like, I, I'm going to pray for him anyway, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think one of the, the great, you get stories. We had one gal that, uh, one gal, sorry. A lady, she had worked for 20 years as a hygienist, and she wanted to come and work for us. And within the first month of working for us, she got diagnosed with breast cancer, wow. and she was devastated. So we started, you know, got to visit and just said, you know, hey, where's God in all this? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I think she wasn't a believer. Here's what happened. We had people, people from our clinic said, I want to offer her some of my vacation time. Mm. As happened in most Christian environments, you know, you have a hangnail, you're going to get fed by the church congregation for about a good month. You know, they're <laughs> going to bring over everything, you know, and, um, you know, uh, good Baptists, you know, Baptist comes from the Greek word potluck. I mean, we know that, know how to do casseroles. And, so anyway, food came over. She went through all of her treatment, all of her time off. She did not lose one dime of pay. And she actually, she's like, with this, you know, she came to know the Lord. She came, wow. she gave her life to Christ. And, you know, what we do here uh, that's good is that if someone has like cancer, and I said, can I pray for you? You know, and, oh, yes. And I said, ask the assistant, would, would you go get so-and-so if she's free? And so this gal will come down and just say, you know, hey, so-and-so, quickly, why don't you share your story? Because we're going to pray with them right now. And it's like, I had cancer. I found Jesus. I'm cancer-free. You know, those sorts of things. And we pray. And so you watch lives being changed. I think it's, it's, it's wonderful. And it's like, tell the doctors, if you want to pray with them, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. Staff, right. if you want to. You got the green light from me, hmm. you know, if you, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can. Yeah. That's a beautiful summation of some of the beautiful opportunities that come your way when you, when you own the practice. That, that's one of those other advantages of being the owner. You know, if you're an employee, it's like, oh, you know, I got, I got to check with, I got to check with upper management. You know, they might mm -hmm. not like it because, you know, depending on the, you know, if you live in the South, they might go, you know, Bible belt, they might like that. Uh, if you live in uh, Babylon, where we're located, that is not very Christian friendly, you can expect maybe some sparks and backlash. And it's like, as a, you know, as the owner of the practice, I tell the staff, I said, you know, 
you know, if you pray with someone or whatever, uh, we play Christian music, you know, a, a good amount of the time, not all of the time. So, you know, and if you get backlash, just say, you know, do you want to talk with Greg? You know, it's not because I'm going to argue. It's like, because, you know, with a gentle answer, I'll, I'll just say, this is, this is what we do and this is who we are. And you're going to be taken extremely well care of. We play this here for really our benefit to remind us to give you the type of service that we think is exceptional because that's what we were made and called to do. So how can we help you? That's good. Now, Greg, the Lord has blessed you in, in so many ways during your career. Based on your experiences over the years, is there any advice you might give to those who are early in their dental careers? I would say, you know, probably one of the biggest things for dentists, as with many business owners, is loneliness. You know, people just don't quite get what it's like to run a business. Dentistry is a little unique. You know, the overhead is extremely high. People generally don't like going to the dentist. It's hard. And so you need, you can't do this on your own. Okay. I, over the years, I, I became a, like a business junkie, I would say in the last uh, 10 to 15 years where it's like, I love to read leadership books and those sorts of things. I've had consultants, all those sorts of things. The biggest thing that I did as a dentist was when I hired an executive coach. And what happened when I had an executive coach that said, Greg, you got my focus on what you think you need to do here. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to help you get there is we had a 10 year plan that we were able to get done in three years. I think especially when someone's young in their career is to somehow link up with someone who does some sort of coaching business leadership wise, those sorts of things, because it'll help you think about what is the trajectory that you want to get set on so that the earlier you can get your trajectory set straight. This is this is what I think, especially as a person of faith, a Christian dentist, you know, this is what God is calling me to do. This is how I'm going to get there. That's the mission that he's laid before me. How am I going to get those things done? Who is going to hold me accountable and help me to think through these things? It's best rather than some large mid-course correction later on, set the trajectory first so that you can also say like, you know what? I'm starting to wander. I'm getting a little bit off mission. Uh, those adjustments are less frequent and they're, they're not as difficult like little course corrections instead of major course corrections that I, I think that that's that's by far the best thing and cmda has coaches they have a couple coaches mm -hmm. especially with dentistry i think that that is something that's very valuable i've been a part of that coaching ministry as well and yes it's a tremendous resource you set that trajectory where it belongs but you need that input from others regarding how to keep that fine-tuned Yes. Now, now, in addition to everything else you have going on, you also found the time to write a book, which I recently finished reading. For those listening, it's called Letting Good Things Run Wild. And I have to say, Greg, that I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the compelling wisdom that you shared. Your, and, and your subtitle says it all. It's, it's subtitled The Integration of Faith and Business, Creating a Deeper Faith, a better business and greater impact. So as I'm reading and being challenged by its contents, I had this nagging, lingering thought, where did Greg get this title, Letting Good Things Run Wild? And then finally, at the end of the book, you alleviated my curiosity. May I share the source of the title with our audience? Absolutely. Okay, because I didn't want to, it's not like I'm ruining the plot of a great movie or something, but it comes from a quote from G.K. Chesterton as follows. 
The more I considered Christianity, the more I found that while it has an established rule and order, the chief aim of that order was to let good things run wild. May this be our vision for our practices and our lives, that we would more and more know the truth that sets us free to to run wild for God's glory. The reason why I wrote the book was because there's a lot of stuff out there on theology. There's a lot of great books on business, a lot of great books on leadership. And what I wanted to do was say there is an intimate integration of these things for those of us of faith in the business world. And it just sets a nice, I think, firm foundation for which then others can then start to build on. It's just setting the foundation so that they can build on. Now they can go through and say, now I can get other theological works, other business works, other leadership works, and build on the foundation that God has called me to build upon to do something. And Chesterton says it's so good. It's not just to let things run, and it's not to let things run wild, but it's good things. Mm -hmm. It's like well-channeled water. It has a force, and it's doing something outstanding. And like you said, Griff, what a way to live. Who doesn't want a piece of that? That's the advantage of the people of faith that we can have in the marketplace where we spend like, you know, six to eight, nine hours a day. You know, let good things run wild. Well, I, I so appreciate the book and uh, also your willingness to get together with us to help us to better understand how God can utilize us uh, in the practice of dentistry. So, Greg, thanks very much for being our guest on this episode of, of Dental Soundbites. Thanks, Griff. Appreciate it. Hearing Dr. Gilbaugh's wisdom regarding the benefits of practice ownership can serve to energize many of us who at times get a bit tired of all the associated management challenges. And I, for one, am grateful for the insights he shared with us. If you'd like a more in-depth perspective on the benefits of private practice ownership, CMDA is providing a great opportunity to spend a week with Greg and others of like mind from February 25th through March 4th, 2023 in Beaver Creek, Colorado. Join us for a great week of teaching, encouragement, fellowship, and world-class skiing. For more information, email me at cda at cmda.org. I'm sure many of you are planning to attend the upcoming American Dental Association's annual convention in Houston, Texas from October 13th to 16th. CMDA will be there with you at Exhibit Booth 1054, so be sure to drop by and see us. In addition, we'll be hosting a dinner, along with members of the Christian Dental Society, on Friday evening, October 15th. Let us know if you'd like more details. Whether you're in private practice, working for a corporation, treating patients at a charitable clinic, or perhaps serving as a missionary in a foreign country, we are grateful for your partnership and communicating the love of Christ through dentistry. May the Lord enable you to serve with excellence, and may you find opportunities to point to Him as the source of that excellence. Until next time, God bless. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. 
The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.